0: Things Musicians Don't Talk About is supported by the Royal Society of Musicians. Since 1738, they have been providing vital financial assistance, advice and guidance to music professionals unable to work due to accident, illness, stress or anxiety. Whether you're working as a performer, administrator, technician or teacher and everything in between, they're there to help. If you know of someone in need, you can contact them in confidence by visiting their website, which is www.rsmgb.org, or you can contact them by ringing 020 7629 6137. Support their work by becoming a member or donating today. Hello and welcome to Things Musicians Don't Talk About with your hosts, Hattie Butterworth and me, Rebecca Toll. Within our vibrant musical world, it can often feel that the struggles and humanity of musicians is lost and restricted. Having both suffered in silence with mental, physical, and emotional issues, we are now looking for a way to voice musicians' stories, discuss them further, and to connect with the many others who suffer like we have. No topic will be out of bounds as we are committed to raising awareness for all varieties of struggle. So join me, Hattie, and guests as we attempt to bring an end to stigma by uncovering the things musicians don't talk about. Thank you very much, Paul, for um coming on the podcast today. For all of our listeners, this is Paul Denigree, who is my uh old head of brass from Wells Cathedral School. Well, even at that time you were like head of multiple, multiple things. Um but how are you doing today, Paul?
1: I'm okay because I'm I'm in a lovely farmhouse in Somerset, just mm-hmm. chilling. Somebody's lent me this for a few weeks, just to chill out in well actually i'm working (laughs) there's the classic do we have to switch off so i'm good actually so so yeah it's beautiful outside
0: amazing um so for people that don't know you although i'm sure a lot of people who do listen will know who you are from just wells or whatever um could you just give a brief overview of well i guess who you define yourself as now (laughs) and then we'll go into your kind of musical upbringing
1: So who I am now, so you mean as in what, my job, what I'm doing? I guess so, yeah. Okay, so I am suppose what they call a multifaceted musician. I think of myself as a musician first and a trumpet player second. Mm -hmm. Trumpet's just part of a core, but that was never the intention, (laughs) can I tell you that? But my dad gave me a really brilliant bit of advice when I was about 19. He said, if you're going to go into this, you know, and he wasn't a musician, he said, you need to be going to this like a war with a machine gun, not, a rifle so you're gonna have to have lots of skills otherwise you're not gonna live in so there was so it was my dad that opened my eyes to fact i was just heading down like trumpet 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 an orchestra that very naive mm-hmm. uh, thing and nobody ever told me uh, you know this is going to be really really tough and why didn't you open yourself wider? and you'll be a better human let alone earn better money so i'm now a multi musician by accident literally because so I adjudicate, classes, I teach, I write, I compose, I songwrite, I play guitar, I do the trumpet. I do all these different things.
0: Yeah. For however long I've known you, you've always had multiple things on the go. So tell us about where did it start, all that kind of stuff.
1: Well, I always say, I don't know whether you remember I said this Wells. well, I, I would be packing eggs if it wasn't, you know, I was a really quite a naughty boy in primary school. And uh, so I just wanted to be a goalkeeper. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> And I would just muck around. And my dad was ahead. So he kept getting called in. It was a bit embarrassing for him, you know. And uh, because I was always mucking around doing something I shouldn't be doing. Because I hated school. I just didn't like it, I didn't engage with it, I didn't connect with it, I didn't see the purpose of it. And um, chance of me being goalkeeper, zero. <laughs> just as much zero chance of me being in the LSO, zero. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then I, you know, I was at one assembly, I was down the front again, having been naughty, so the headmistress pulled me out. And uh, I sat in the front with all the year ones who were tiny. And then there's me, <laughs> taller than all the rest. And I remember her putting on some music and uh, Mrs. Brown was her name. And I could even remember the brooch she was wearing. It was such a moment. And then, uh, and at the end, she, she had an old Bush record player. She put the thing on, did the needle, and, and all that stuff going on. And this, it wasn't loud music. It was really, really quiet music that came out. And then suddenly from nowhere, this trumpet went, but I got a bum, like this. And I was literally like age 11. I was like, what the heck is that you know it did it, I don't know what it did it's like a little Bunsen burner or gas boiler went off something went off so she sent the rest of the school away and as usual kept me behind <laughs> so I won't get in the whole denigree speech you know denigree you've got to, you cannot behave like this at age <laughs> 11 you know when you're going to grow up but I kept saying miss I'm not interested can you, can you just tell me what that music is can you write it down and a bit of paper so she wrote down this I didn't know what it meant so I went home to my dad who tried me on recorder, voice. Oh, he tried me on everything as an amateur musician. As I went home and said, Dad, I want this piece of music on record. And oh, interestingly enough, I also said, I want to know what it looks like on paper. Because oh. it was just out there. I don't know where it was. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad just went, oh, my son. He was like, yeah, he's like this ch- wayward child has suddenly come home. And then, you know, it was Tchaikovsky's Sixth Symphony, first, first movement. And then there came a purpose to my life. Was, I know it sounds really cheesy, but that's exactly what happened. What do I need? So I need five GCCs, right, I better look at maths, I better do this. It's funny. That's how it's happened. So I just set off on that real trumpet route, age 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've still got the score and i still got the record. Yeah, i still got better. That's it. amazing. Still haven't played it and I still haven't conducted it. Isn't that weird? Would it ruin the magic? Very good question, because it's the one I want to do. I don't know. Yes, because I'll probably be bad scared about making mistakes and I'll go into some weird zone about, and I'll disconnect from the motion of that music. Does Mm. that make sense i'll be going to trumpet playing mode yeah and i'll be more worried about that and then i lose connection with the actual emotional music so it might you're right at the moment it's just magical to me
0: (laughs) yeah it's out there an abstract thing that you can't quite grasp yeah um so then from uh age 11 you kind of took it more seriously then you went to music college
1: yeah yeah so i just went down this very very narrow trumpet route and actually but i'm bubbling underneath with songwriting and rock music big time huge and actually fact that, that was probably bigger if I'm honest but when I played the trumpet of course I got music it gave me every sort of you got applause didn't you you got my parents thought it was okay And <laughs> you know everybody thought was good at something rather than this waster guy that just was going nowhere gonna pack eggs because mm-hmm. going nowhere you know so the trumpet bought I suppose it bought credibility where rock music wouldn't have done you know it was all the thing you didn't do you know it's the sort of wayward it's a wayward life which is rubbish of course I mean it's not that life at all but I so I sort of locked that away secretly but kept it going <laughs> And did this whole trumpet business yeah but very narrow it was only trumpet 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 trumpet, and everything had to be related to trumpets so gccs a levels mm. was only a reason the only reason i did them was not to learn anything just to jump a hoop
0: wow and then how was your experience at music college like did you enjoy it did you find it difficult
1: do you know what i to be perfectly honest i look back on it, it was like a waste of time a complete mm. and utter waste of my time and actually when i look back at it what i could have learned what i could have done Looking back on it, hours and hours and hours, hours of doing nothing. You know, and and, and it was like go and practice for five hours a day. Go practice that's why you're not doing anything. And I and I I've sort of got really strong views about it now in, in a way, because why four years? Why did I go through all that expense? Why you know, you could have done it in two, what you gave me. Mm. There was no direction, there was no uh careers advice in those days. There was nothing. Nothing like that. They didn't care. And I would skive. I, would, I wouldn't, a few things I did. I never went to a piano lesson hardly. I met my tutor once in the lift. One <laughs> well, my mate said, oh, you're poor. This is by Paul. And he said, oh, you, Paul Denigree? He said, said, yeah. he said, I'm Lettis Stewart, your tutor. You haven't been for six months. But nobody cared. It was like weird. It didn't matter, you know, who cares about you. I don't really care about the fact you haven't been. I don't really care what's going to happen when you fall out at the end of it. And there was no, there no attempt at being realistic about things. Um, trying to find the my my strengths, you know, hours and hours doing orchestral excerpts and then no real sort of what's Paul's strength let's 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 draw out Paul's strengths where is his strengths where is his you know what where is his weaknesses where can we help none of that none Mm. of that nurturing or care at all it was you just I just wandered through it if I'm perfectly honest and it's just such a waste of an exciting time of life and it was almost like you had to be you know man up (laughs) you you can't cope sod off basically (laughs) you know find you out this good just found you out oh no it doesn't work like that i don't think
0: sounds like <laughs> no, it would so. be disappointing having been that excited about trumpet and then getting there and it being like oh
1: yeah it was yeah looking back yeah disappointment total disappointment yeah totally and i know it was easier for me i guess it's easier for me at school as a head of brass but i you could have done a lot more for the students than they did you know it just felt that you know it was a sort of bare minimum really mm. you could have done a lot more interesting in, in creative stuff actually i just and i remember being um just kind of scared all the time <laughs> in the orchestra. Just like... But there was no, no, nobody, I don't know what it's like now so much, but um, it was, there was nobody to go and talk to and nobody to, mm. you know, it's like you either survive or you don't, you know. Um, and it, you almost had to change your personality to, to survive, and that, that's not good. You've got to be true to yourself at the end of the day, mm. otherwise you end up unhappy. So it was almost like you had to become this battle-hardened, no-emotional guy who was going to just go through this, <laughs> whatever happens. So yeah, it was a dis- disappointment for me
0: then what happened after the four years what what happened when he came at, came out the other side
1: well i don't know what i mean like i think a lot of people i just fell out <laughs> you know you get your, you go up on your graduation day and you got your gown which i refused to buy nice. but i basically i just fell out you know literally just walk next day 5th of july you'll you yeah, nobody ring nobody fa- it's it, it, i think you hear this story a lot actually and uh, i just sat sitting in the summer thinking well what do i do now you know and so you're just picking up the odd date, and you're picking up your thing and, you, and you're trying to open doors and you, nobody's really told you how to open doors nobody's helped you do that you're, you're just scrabbling around thinking and then of course you become disillusioned because you've just put your whole life onto this so um i was kicking around london i you know did london orchestra a bit of freelancing so I, I had to get i worked in the bbc record library for a year i just got a job doing that because they, they allowed me to go and gig and. gig and then i just got fed up of this one month great money and then nothing next month i thought i can't i'm never gonna you know rent properly or buy a house or can't. I mean, how do you so i thought i'd get a job <laughs> a full-time job and that's when wells came out i saw it advertised mm. and uh I, I, so i put it in for I, my mum told me to put it in for i wasn't going to put it in for i said Look, i'm only 23 for god's sake i'm even taught I'm even taught <laughs> one day in tunbridge grammar school girls grammar school that's all i've done this is head of brass at a specialist music school for crying out loud so my referee was my trumpet teacher at college. And I mm-hmm. said, uh, "He'd be my referee? And he goes, Paul, you don't stand a chance. <laughs> my referee, <laughs> you know, stand a chance at that. And my mum was like, you know, you gotta do it. You just don't know. You just go, do it for experience, which is good advice. Just get used to doing an interview. So I turned up did the interview and got the job. Now I think they were either, I was cheap yeah. or desperate or both because I, it to this day, I don't understand why that happened. I really, really don't. Wow. And what was interesting was when I filled, you know, they do all you, you offer the job and I, I fell off the chair. Like, I think I <laughs> nearly said you've got a broken, but I thought better not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then they when I filled out all my acceptance stuff and they said the salary, um, they said your qualifications aren't worth worth anything. That we don't they're not recognized. You're gonna have to start on the same salary as a domestic. So I started on the same salary as somebody who cleans the bedrooms in the boarding houses.
0: Oh my god!
1: less less than six thousand a year, because my so you've gone through all four years, you've gone through all that practice, you've gone through all that, and you find out that licensure and a fellowship isn't the same as a degree, and it doesn't not worth anything. So that's how I got that. Yeah.
0: Wow.
1: But I was certainly cheap.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) actually ridiculous. But then. So then you moved from London to Somerset. Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: literally uprooted and moved to Wales, moved to Wales. Yeah.
0: And then <laughs> what, what was it like, like starting, having got this job that you were like, you've got to be joking. Then, yeah. like, I can't even imagine the first day there being like, what the hell am I going to do? Well,
1: Oh God. Well, I, first, I can remember my first day. Cause you probably remember those specialist music meetings. I felt about 10 years old and then, you know, because uh, uh, people know me because I've got long hair, but I cut my hair really short for the interview. How naive was I? It tells you. I thought, what does a teacher look like? A tweed jacket, tweed tie, and, I my- <laughs> and you know me. I'm all leather jackets and all that stuff. So, so I turned up on my first day in a tweed jacket yeah. and a tweed tie my really short hair. And that, of course, that's not being true. What I've learned in life, that you've got to be true to you. And I wasn't being true to me. So anyway, I was standing there thinking, this is what I have to be like now. I have to Mm -hmm. be a head of brass. I've got to be this this responsible kind of person. I've got to look like a teacher. I've got to look like this. And I remember the specialist meeting at the end of the first day, (laughs) I'm just standing there. And of course, these people with all their degrees and whatever, Cambridge degrees and university degrees and eminent musicians or whatever and you go down the line and have got any announcements and of course the head of strings would have fantastic announcements head would win a fantastic <laughs> and i'm at the end of the line going i think i've got absolutely nothing to say <laughs> and what the hell am i doing here and it he goes and oh, this is our new head of brass paul denigree and you've got anything to say <laughs> and i just remember going really red i can remember going boiling hot and i thought in front of about 120 pupils all looking at me silent i've never done this i've never even spoken to a group of pupils before. and i just went um, voice shaking can I see all the brass players afterwards that's all <gasps> I could think of and of course what I didn't realize is afterwards two turned up oh wow tuba and a horn player. that's all I had so we sat in my room and I'm going is this it and they go yeah we're the only two specialists and we've only just arrived ourselves in year seven so there was no brass problem. and then the head saw me about the next day or two days later he goes so Paul you know just a little brief on you you know your job is to make the brass as good as the strings who have just done a world tour like New mm. Zealand, Australia, Malaysia. I said, I've only got two kids. He said, you'll find a way.
0: You did. You did find totally a way. Totally out of my
1: depth. And then Alan Hutt was a trombone teacher, you know, a really eminent player. And I thought he came in for his first day. And the first thing I said to him is, Alan, I can't be your boss. I'm 23 and you play with the RPO, the Beatles, English National Opera. And he goes, he was so lovely, as you know. And he goes, you are my boss and you're going to be good. And he was just really calm and lovely. So I said, you've got one piece of advice. And he goes, yeah, just don't bring your private life. You know, into the school wow. always be the same the kids don't deserve they need they need that stability they need whatever you're feeling like just be and I remember that just be Paul but always be that and I've never forgotten that to my every lesson I've ever taught whatever there's been real horrible stuff gone in my life yeah but you don't show it and they don't it's their one chance he said their time with you and and he said if you just if you're true to Paul he said you're going to be great <laughs> lovely Alan mate. that's that so lovely? amazing
0: because it, it's yeah. like you're such a personable person yeah, and it's not that you were telling us everything about your life, but yeah, it it was really authentic. And I think that was, that felt like the secret kind of ingredient to the, all the brass teachers at Wells, was that they were yeah. all just very real with you.
1: Yeah, and I'm really pleased, I'm really touching you used the word authentic, because that's quite important to me.
0: Well... Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, At what point did you feel that you could go from the tweed jacket and the tweed tie to being back to the long hair and the leather jackets?
1: Um, good question, because to be honest, I and, and this might be a bit controversial, but I just felt a lot of my time people in the music business weren't authentic to me. And I'm not blaming them because they're just caught up in a whole thing, this whole thing that's just been organically grown like this. But i just thought people weren't not fellow students but other you know people just weren't authentic every time i went anywhere i didn't look didn't realize it at the time but i do now people did were just were so you know i can't reveal anything about myself and, you, and there this has to be this persona and it has to be the way that professional musicians are and you know and you don't share it you don't do it and, and, and this is why i love your podcast you see i think it's such a great breakthrough because people weren't authentic with me and it and it had a deep effect on me because you know Just ruined it. Just I I, I suffer from confidence still now. People are amazed I suffer from um, lack of self worth, but it's true. Mm -hmm. And it's because I think if we'd shared more and people shared, we I would have thought, oh gosh, you're just like me, you know. And I I just thought there's something totally wrong with me, you know. I'm too sensitive, I'm too emotional, I'm too, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not a good enough player because, you know, I'm not. I don't love the trumpet. I love music more than trumpet, Do you know what I mean? It's all, it's all that bit of, you know, I wasn't obsessed with the trumpet. I liked it but I wasn't obsessed by it, but I thought everybody else was, but I've come to realize they're not actually. And I—and then, mm. so authenticity to me is really important. And, and I just remember thinking at Wells, I owe it to every people that ever comes across. It doesn't have to be a brass player. It can be a pianist, anybody I come in touch with at Wells, you know, who talks, I even say hello, to. even hello. I've got to be me, totally me. Apart from, as Alan Hutt says, just keep your private life. You know, if you're having a bad time, don't put it out there. But, you know, I'm going to be totally me.
0: Well, yeah, it always came across that you were so genuine and and for such a prestigious school, yeah, it was such a a comfort that my teacher and my head of department wasn't, not, not prestigious, but didn't act like, yeah, heirs and graces, as you say. But you said I... you got in trouble for it.
1: Well, I... Yeah, I mean trouble as you do, but I mean, I just you know I refused to wear a gown, mm-hmm. and I, and it, and they kept saying, "Where's your gown?" And I said, well, I don't, "I'm not going to wear a gown to cathedral services and end of time. I'm not going to do it uh, in a polite way, because I just felt we didn't need to. I don't mm-hmm. know why we need to. It was it was look at us. We're learned." And we're, I've, I've achieved this, and I've achieved this, and I'm learned, and I'm and I'm above you, and somehow, and I just felt it was like you don't need to do that to be a good teacher. You don't need to be a good head to be a good headed pom. You don't need to don't get a gown on to prove anything. So of course it was things like that. I, I you know, and um, the fact I didn't quite conform to the look. Let's put it like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I do generally think. Well, I, I'm, I don't work there anymore, so I'm quite happy to say. You know, I I didn't get opportunities that other staff got. Other staff in the, would, would talk, oh, go and do a talk here and we'll send you here and we'll send you off to here and we'll send you off. They didn't, if I went anywhere, it's usually because I opened the door to go and do it with the brass players, you know, that's mm-hmm. why I did it. I was very rarely sent off by the school to go and represent them. You should be smart at work. I get that. But it, it was a very set way. And I'd get emails saying, you know, before well, saw you without a time, you know, I was like, how old am I? You know? <laughs> yeah. It was Are the not...
0: sense of like othering. You're right. It's like this like learned you know, we are academic musicians and we are training you to be XYZ. Exactly. What interests me is how you kind of reconciled your experiences with well, further music education and teaching students. So many of your students went off to music college. Was there an element of like, you know, I hope they don't have the same experience as I did, or, you know, I'm going to try and teach them in a way that it's completely different to what I had.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, just on the authenticity, just, just, as you said, that came to mind, I didn't even feel I fit in the orchestra because the way I looked, wow. you know, you know, and I think it's changing now. I don't know that you're not judged on the length of your hair or you're not judged on the, you know, whether the color of your hair or, I mean, it was, I felt like completely having done this route and wanted to be like that, that, that I just didn't, you know, people look, you could see the way people look at you, you could see, you know, well, well you know, get your hair cut. Well, I I think quite, and I actually, i have my hair cut every month. You wouldn't believe it, but I actually do. And that's the point. I always have. I've always had it cut because it's long, so I keep it. In shape. You know what I mean? It's what's yeah. so bizarre about the whole thing is I probably look after my hair more than other blokes do. You know what I mean? It's just. Sure. But I always felt that authenticity. I had to. I had to fit. I, I had to fit that rather than do you know what music and what's so weird is music is such a widely emotional thing yeah. it's such a free spiriting thing music isn't it but then is that when you're a performer you're kind of you've got to you got to be classic classical world you got to be i think that's why i identified with the rock guys and girls yeah. because because the guys and girls in rock music just do what they do you know mm-hmm. they get up on stage but they do what they do love it or hate it but you know but classical music is us like having to be bolted in you know it's like it's part of this machine you know you have mm-hmm. to conform you have to, certain things you can say you can have certain opinions and not other opinions and you know and um so yeah yeah i know yeah so because i used to um a lot of my pupils who went to music college which is the irony of ironies i think i used to say you sh- you know i don't think i ever said i sure i just wanted them to follow it's a good question though. i'm sure i've never been asked that one no really <laughs> it's a really good one because i think i did I probably did say you know uh, i hope i did you know think th- th- you know think about university think about other things i hope i did say those other things i hope i did yeah. open other doors and not just hothouse and you know because i never looked at it like statistics like oh great i've got 90 percent into music college and i've got 26 scholarships to royal academy oh, and stuff I mean, i was never into that it, it was never about how that validated me mm-hmm. uh, i didn't in a way and it sounds really arrogant and it's very unusual for me to say this i didn't need st- success of pupils to validate whether I was any good does that make Mm -hmm. sense
0: yeah I suppose because as you were as a student like coming from that aspect you kind of knew actually it didn't matter that I went to music college because it was a waste of time so I'd rather have the the students have a good experience than get in somewhere that they're not gonna enjoy
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes it's this need thing, isn't it? I need to go because I've I've done it for six years and I've you know, given up a lot of my life to practice and I need to go. I've got to do it. No, you don't have to. you know. Mm. And it's a sense of failure. A lot of musicians do it because to say I don't want to do it anymore. Big moment just turn around and go. Do you know what? I don't want to do it. You don't want to be a classical. You don't yeah. want. To be-
0: what a shame!
1: <laughs> Whoa, you're giving up this amazing life. You know, we're giving up. You've got some amazing talent. You're so gifted at that. Well, I was never gifted at the trumpet, but you know, you never. You're so gifted, and of course, that's pressure. And you go, "Oh gosh, I'm gifted. At all ought to do this." it Doesn't matter if you're gifted if you don't like it. You know? Yeah. Just because you're gifted doesn't automatically mean you love it. Mm. I, I might be gifted at making sofas. I don't know, but it doesn't <laughs> mean I want to do them. All you know, I, don't know what I, mean. I might sit down and make a sofa and be really bored, but it'd be come out brilliantly, but it doesn't, do you know what I mean? It doesn't, this thing that you're gifted, therefore you've got to do it and and, and you should be, I just wanted them to do what they wanted to do. I also wanted them to discover what they wanted to do. And yeah. just, that's, that was key to me, not what I thought they should do. You know? Well, again, Never it's this that.
0: thing of like, you're giving up this amazing life and it's like, well, it's not amazing for me. And that is what? almost blasphemous to say, I'm not enjoying it. And then people... Oh. Uh, Just made to feel like, oh, wait, maybe I'm the problem if I'm not enjoying it.
1: Exactly. But I've learned over the decades that they weren't enjoying it just like, (laughs) but they couldn't because they're paying their baked beans, you know. I remember one one, one trumpet teacher said to me, Paul, when when you do... As a living, it becomes a completely different thing. Because I was like at college, oh, I love it. I get all emotional. You know I'm like, mm. and I said, he said, I'm off to Japan. I said, I'll be to do chike six. I something I said that'd be great. He said, When you've been to Japan ten times and you play Tchaikovsky Symphony thirty times, it doesn't mean anything. You just do it. It's a job. It's like I couldn't believe. It I was horrifying. <laughs> I was like, It'd be great, but I kind of get those little messages were there. They were there. Little messages were there. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I just it, it's that 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 guilt feeling that you got to say, do you know what. Don't want to do this anymore yeah and you've got it's almost like a thing around your neck isn't it you're really talented at it therefore you, you you're mad not to do it yeah it's <laughs> your
0: duty to society to do this thing that even society doesn't appreciate <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean i used to say that well Wells a lot i used to say um you know we said oh well, you know lovely all that And it is great and it's all it's a bubble but no, but Joe Joe Bloggs and Janet Fred and Bert and Blackburn don't even know it exists. They don't even care. They wouldn't care if we didn't have a specialist music school in Wales. They wouldn't care. Yeah. They go, well, what's what? Doesn't that doesn't affect my life? <laughs> you know, it can it can sometimes feel in the music world that everybody loves you know, it's this thing. Mm. You know, and people don't like people saying that, but yeah. <laughs> that's the truth.
0: I'm really interested in your role as head of department, and yeah. you know, music schools are notoriously difficult places. And yeah. how did you balance your kind of pastoral role and role as a, you know, somebody who does the the num well not the numbers but like you know the admin side of things and teaching and I don't know did it weigh heavily on you that you had all these people kind of under your care?
1: I enjoyed the pastoral bit actually more than the trumpet teaching bit. <laughs> to be honest, I enjoyed tutor group more than I mean yeah. I like teaching trumpet. Don't get me wrong, but I enjoyed the pastoral bit more actually. Mm. Yeah, I was more interested in people's lives. I'm more interested in them as people, not how many, how many, you know, somebody getting. I remember a boy getting three GCSEs and they go, and they said that was great for him. He was terrible academically, but mm. that was an amazing achievement for that boy.
0: Well, yeah, as you know, it it feels like that's quite a tricky position to take in a, such a prestigious, yeah, place of, <laughs> of education, and it always felt like you were fighting our corners. But again, it was always a fight.
1: Yeah, because I was. Um, you know, there are good traditions and there's bad traditions. There's traditions that hold us back and there's traditions that are good to hold on to because they've been worth their value and you can see them. But I just thought so much of it was just because we've always done it like this and we've always mm-hmm. been like this. Therefore we're not going to chase it's, it's worked. I used to say meetings, but it hasn't worked. <laughs> You've got these pupils unhappy over here. How can you, can't say it's worked. Oh yes. But, and it's almost like they, it was their problem. Yeah. No, it's not their problem. You know, they're looking to us to support and help and understand and listen and, and all those things that, don't have exams on, listening, qualify, you know, all that stuff, you know, listen to them, you listen to what they got to say, you know, and find out, because <laughs> mm. if, if you listen to them, you'll find out a lot.
0: Well, particularly in a the music world, where you actually often don't feel safe no, sharing no. with teachers or people above you or people that you feel are kind of in control of your destiny at that point, that's really yeah. special.
1: It is, yeah, you, you know, don't say the right thing, don't do the right thing, and this person can stop me from getting working in an orchestra or get me to, and you know, and that is relevant. It's still, it's, yeah. but you're right. It's that the danger is, the power thing, isn't it?
0: Mm. I was, yeah, I was going to ask how, how, you know, you talked a bit about low self worth yeah. and not feeling yeah. like you're the yeah. best trumpet player. And you know, how did you look after your own needs alongside this position of looking after other people?
1: Okay, that's a brilliant question. I've never been asked that. I've through quite a few interviews, and I've never been asked that one. And I think it's a really, really important one. You see, because I, I'm i going to be brutally honest here. And uh, so um, people will say, Paul, you're amazing at this, or Mr. D, you're an amazing teacher, amazing composer, you're amazing. Da, 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 da. I am still to this day don't think that and I don't I really don't you know me well enough to know that I've got I've kept every thank you card I've ever been given because I thought if somebody takes me time to write to me I've kept every single one for 35 years wow. I've got boxes I'm mean, that that's really arrogant they're just tucked away on a little shelf nicely there for one day when I'll read them again but and in there you know you change my life all that stuff's been written and I never ever thought it was any good. Mm. And it's a real problem. I've had to have counselling for it. I've had to have help because I just can't see it. I, it's like they're talking about somebody else. I go. I come back after a gig, you know, it's awful. You know, I can't beat myself up. I beat myself up after master classes, after adjudicating, after everything. Sometimes I even, if I get it, I think it's gone well, I shudder. I literally sh- r- recall myself adjudicating or playing the trumpet or standing up and giving a talk and i shudder like shudder like that oh that's horrible what i can see of myself Mm. and and so it's not it's been a real real struggle for me because everybody's saying this and i don't i have i don't need that validation i'm not after that i don't and that's felt i'm better if you don't do that because in a way it makes me think does that make sense so Mm because I wanted them to feel good about themselves I wanted them to feel confident I wanted them to feel secure I wanted all the things that I didn't feel I didn't feel any of those things there's something I've never said publicly before mm-hmm. and so when I had counseling people were saying they were say, well why can't you just do your teach yourself you know it's like be, be Mr. D to you and I just I've never thought it's good enough never ever felt I've been good enough and honestly and all saying, I've always thought I've just been the nearly man mm. And that is not I'm trying to come to terms with that now. Um at age late fifties, you know, I've always been the nearly man. And people say you've got honorary degrees, you've got this, you've got you got look at Paul, you look at your website, you've done everything. I've always just not quite done it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something to do with the way the profession is and the way it's just never quite good enough. And you yeah. know, you never quite People are always finding something you've got to improve. Or you can improve, you can improve, you can improve, improve. Instead of just enjoying the moment for a few weeks or a month and saying, bloody hell, Paul, that was amazing. You know, mm-hmm. you need, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not quite sure, but it's, I, I've learned it's nothing to do with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is stuff. Yeah. So I, I've picked this up in the music profession. And now I can see some battle-hardened musos going, yeah, well, that's because you weren't suited or because you, you didn't get up. No, 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 no. <laughs> there was something about the music business that, That's made me think I'm never good enough.
0: I feel that as well. Mm. I feel that it's um, partly because like success as a definition has to come from you because nobody else has set the definition. But then if you already feel like you're not good enough, then setting your own definition of success is going to be really hard. Yeah. Um, And you're more likely to just always put it slightly out of reach. Um, And then people can be like, oh, no, but look at all these things that you've done. And it's like, but it's not it's not up to you in this profession to say what's good and what's not. But yeah. I kind of wish that it was somebody else's job to say, okay, when you've done this, then you can feel good. Or when you've done this, you can have a rest, yeah. but it's, it's not there.
1: <laughs> it's never there. You saying that's like, that's never been said to me ever, you know, mm-hmm. ever, ever was that ever said to me, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and so in, in counseling sessions I've had, it's like, Boy, you, you, that's great. And I would say, well, you done this week? So I did and that's great. And now I go, oh, yeah. And they said, you're always going, you're always wanting one bit more, one bit more, the next bit, the next bit, the next bit. Why don't you just relax into what you've done and achieved and, you know, and, and just st- stand back and look at yourself and go, God, I did that. <laughs> I'm always on to the next thing. And I think musicians are. I think play a gig, it goes well, do a right a composition, it's good. You think of the next thing. I did this charity, you know, and, and so I've raised two and a half thousand pounds a month. I don't think that's good enough. And somebody wrote to me, Paul, that last sentence, you've just, I said, oh, two and a half thousand pounds a month. I want to get to five. And, and they wrote to me and said, that's nonsense. What you've just written there is nonsense. And it is nonsense, isn't it? You know, from nowhere, I've set up a charity and done all this sort of stuff. And they go, that's nonsense what you're saying. But that's, that's typical musician, I think. It's like, But dunk,
0: Yeah. Bang. Again, it's like, where did five thousand pounds come from? like I don't know sometimes I'll be like oh you know I've done this thing but if I could do this thing yeah then I'd be happy but it's like I've just plucked that out of thin air to make myself just have this thing that's again out of reach and then once I get that thing or if I don't get that thing that's going to be even worse you know
1: exactly where do you stop yeah and only you end up heart attack retiring and then looking back and going what the heck what was that all about yeah you know. You, to be all honesty you know I stand up and conduct Eddie rehearsal at Wells every master class I've ever done anything I've ever done I am bricking it a- absolutely going through it and I'm not joking I am going used to walk down to symphony Orks on Wednesday afternoon going, God, I thought God I've looked at the score enough I haven't done this enough I haven't done that enough I'm gonna get found out you, know, you can't get away with a funny story again Paul you know you've got you got they're gonna find you out they're gonna find mm. you out you know right up to the moment And something happens once I get on that Into the now, doing it, and it all goes, and it happens, Mm. and then as soon as it stops, and I'm in the car and on my own, the ruminating happens, then it all comes back. So this is kind of weird thing, you know? Um, Yeah,
0: and it's funny because it's like, I yeah, sometimes I'll experience that, and I'll be like, but then which one is the real me?
1: Yes, yeah, like um, is
0: this like flow state the true me? And I've just like music has enabled me to get there. Or yeah. is that just like an anomaly and the rest of the time when I'm stressing and freaking out about everything, is that me? And uh, yeah, I've come to the realisation that they both are. Yeah. And it's not, you know, magic that creates that like moment of calm. Yeah. It, and and that's al- almost more empowering to be like, well, then the stressing and stuff is still something that I can work on because it is still me. Yeah. But it's, yeah, easier said than done.
1: Easier said done, but... Yeah, but I'm interested in how we become like that. Yeah, I mean, I've said to, I'm quite open about this. I said everybody thinks I've got everything. I just I don't see that at all. Mm. You know, the struggle that goes in before and afterwards is huge, and you just think, why am I putting myself to this? Mm. Why, why? Because it's all you know, Paul. It's all you did. You know, it's all you know. You're a musician. That's what you do. And you then give it up. Don't give it up. Because imagine if I give it up. That's <laughs> what people. Paul oh, Tenny has given up. <laughs> He loves it. He loves every second of it. No, I don't don't love every second of it.
0: (laughs) But then do you think there'd be a group of people that would be like, yeah, he was really busy all the time. I can understand that he'd just want a break.
1: Yeah, you see. Yeah, because I 24-7, well, not 24-7, but, you know, I'm every single day, you know, even in this lovely farmhouse. What am I doing? I'm working all the time. Instead of just chilling out, I'll be working. So, yeah, yeah, I think it would be... Yeah, I think there would be quite a lot of people go brave decision, good guy. If that's you know, he's d- he's done his bit. But I don't like that idea. I've done my bit, so my life's over. Isn't that mm. funny? You know,
0: because you've achieved that success.
1: Yeah, but if I stop now, I think, well, oh, my life's over now. What, yeah. what, 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 what do I do? Because it's all consuming music, isn't it? That's the other problem. I think it is all consuming. Or I would. I learned somewhere that it had to be all consuming. You mm. give your life, your soul, and everything. I mean, I heard that at all sorts of places. People, staff, stand up and say that. Gotta be your bread, your butter, your levy. I used to stand there thinking, no, it hasn't. <laughs> it doesn't. In actual fact, if you you take if you you build rockets and you go off to walk your dog and you do like that she makes you a better musician. Why are you saying that? Why are you saying that it has to be your whole life? You've got to dig do... no, it doesn't actually have to be like that mm. at all. In actual fact, you'd be a better musician, better person if you did did other things in your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You
0: know. It's... And all this like twenty four seven craziness. Yeah. I feel like it has had some negative effects on you.
1: Yeah. Like things like never turn a date down. If you're free, take it because you don't know when your next one's bonkers, absolutely bonkers stuff when you think about it. So you're knackered (laughs) working at Wells all all eight or five. And then the show comes in for two weeks and you think, yeah, take it. Take it because I might not get it again. So I'll take it I'll take the money now. (laughs) Or somebody else will sit. I'll turn it down. Somebody will sit in there. And that's crazy. You're not looking after yourself. You're, you're just, you're you're looking after, I don't know what you're looking after, but you're not looking after yourself as a human mm-hmm. being, you know, and that, that's all drummed, isn't it? Take the date, take the date, take the date. So Sunday, Saturdays, instead of saying, looking back and going, no, really busy week, don't need that. If I don't, if I lose it, I'll lose, you know, somebody else comes in and plays better than me, then I lost it. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's a different world.
0: <laughs> Would you be happy talking about, um, some of your health problems towards the end of your time at Wells.
1: Yeah, yeah, very happy to talk about. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. So,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't know details, but it felt like you just completely crashed from doing everything. Is that right?
1: Having been head of brass, they did they restructured, so I was and I was really happy with the job I was given. Actually, I, as head of music performance, I was like, "Wow, love this! I can just be." you know, just going, but it was huge. It was massive. I don't think anybody knew mm-hmm. compared to the other one, the other roles that they did, like head of visiting staff or head of whatever. To be head of music performance at Wells Cathedral was like like 350 concerts a year or something ridiculous. And of course me being me went to every lunchtime, every gig, I was like, if the pupils are playing, I'd go violinist, oboe, bazooka play. I didn't know who it was. <laughs> I'm head of performance. I've got to be there, I've got to support them. I've got to be there uh, backstage and all that stuff. So it, it was massive, but I quite, I was really pleased with it. I actually, I liked that role. I thought it was really good. I thought mm-hmm. this is a good change for me and, uh, I could have done the brass forever. You know, I, I still had ideas and visions, but I just thought that's not a bad thing for the brass pump, it's not bad. I've done it for 30 years. It's not bad that change of would be good. And I was still involved and, um, so I kept doing the job. Yeah. I kept turning up and <laughs> doing teaching and, but I did crash. Yeah. I crashed big time. Yeah. Inside mm-hmm. I crashed usually. And that's why i had to go in the end i went for my health yeah that's why i went definitely i thought you know well i was told by doctors you know just you've got to go you've got to look after yourself it's like whoa what do i do yeah (laughs) yeah but they said you poor you know you're trying to sort things out it's not happening this has gone on long enough and and i i've been in intensive care as you know seven years before and then i went back to hospital two years later and then i had pneumonia and then i had a heart scare and and still I went, turning, turning this wheel, you know, gigging, playing, writing, dwells. <laughs> mm-hmm. Couldn't stop. It's on the wheel. Because I actually do love it when I'm in the now. I'm loving it, you see. So it's a bit like a drug, isn't it? You, you, you're loving that. So I just remember thinking, right, I'm going to resign. Just mm. leave. It's um, a huge it move.
0: A... I mean, it's it's almost too literal of like giving your life to music, isn't it?
1: I'd given it, yeah. given it all. And I, I know that sounds very dramatic. No, <laughs> Literally... So I would go nine weeks without a day off. I still, you know, I don't want to going, oh, that's, that's a no, it's a sob story. It's not a sob story. Just fact. i go nine weeks without a day off. Um, and I'd literally teach on Sundays. i teach Saturday mornings. i do a gig on Saturday. I know, and then I'd do 17 hours a day. So i teach at Wells 8 to 5, take my kids home, feed them, and then go straight to the theater. At seven get home at 10 be writing out parts doing composition stuff <laughs> till two or three in the morning i wrote four musicals at wells and yeah yeah i literally gave my life yeah i just literally gave it you know if anybody said what did i do in my life i gave it to music
0: exactly what you've been told to do
1: exactly what i've been told to do is you've got to give it your life and your all and and it's you if you're going to be a success it has to be the most important thing in your life and it's, it's wrong because I, you don't have I've now realized you don't have to do that you mm. know by that time I was just so programmed it was yeah. just like it's too it's too you know and because I've multifaceted it went against me in a way
0: yeah i guess the combination of being able to do all these things and not feeling like good enough at any of them just no, that you, that you just had to keep doing them all
1: because i was doing these different things and i i was okay at it and it happened and people like what I did, they'd ask me back, yeah, so I was being asked to do things on multiple targets, if you like, mm. yeah, of course it was coming in all the time, which a lot of people might be listening to Oh, God, I'd love that, but you're not looking after you at all, i you know, I got lost, I lost me, I lost who yeah, you know, lost who I was, you know, mm. completely, or well, true, that authenticity went, yeah, I became Mr. D the limited, if you like, <laughs> company you know, this guy that,
0: <laughs> and then I imagine it was an incredibly difficult journey to move out of that zone of, yeah, Mr. Denigree, limited company.
1: <laughs> a limited company. And you look at all the car kind of legend and all that stuff I've had, you know, and it's that, that makes me shudder. It's like, no, no, you just don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, You know, I'm glad I helped you and I'm, I'm, I wouldn't change it. You know, that's good. I'm glad I did, did my job, which is right. But uh, yeah, I, cause then I, I left thinking, well I've always had a big freelance diary on top of a full-time job. So I thought, well, I've got enough here. Mm. <laughs> And then of course COVID struck three yeah. months later. I didn't know what was gonna happen when I took that decision. No one saw that coming. Otherwise I'd have hung on for another couple of years and got a full-time salary and you know stayed at home. But mm-hmm. I just but of course it ca- and so I lost everything. Literally, I went from nutty, busy to zero. I mean nothing happening <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't at Wells. Yeah. So I wasn't even doing my own teaching or doing anything. So um that was really, really hard, really hard, actually. Yeah, because I had to learn to live with my be with myself does that make sense yeah hours and hours and hours on my own with myself and that's really difficult when you're not done that at all ever you know so uh yeah that was yeah discovery time still is still going yeah on. <laughs> it's
0: like a kind of baptism by fire into the new life of balance it's like you have a you're doing everything and then you, you're doing nothing and now it feels like you've found a bit of a happy medium maybe
1: um I'm a great believer in reinventing. I do believe in that. And over the time at Wells, I did reinvent myself. So I got rid of the, you know, I walked out, I set the jazz up and ran all the big band for 25 years. I walked out and it just at the height, just thought I had to reinvent myself a bit. I was getting known for one thing and Mm -hmm. I thought, I can't, you know, so I'm a great believer in reinventing. I love people who reinvent themselves. I think that's amazing where they just go through something, good or bad, whatever it is, and they reinvent themselves. That's so, I've got so much respect for that, you know, and not, not saying, well, this is what I am. I've always done this and I'm going to to, you know, I'm gonna do it so I drop. People go, do you know what? I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to reinvent my life. So I I had to reinvent me. Um, people think I'm bonkers. I do a lot of stuff. I thought I'm going to give back is what I thought. I know that sounds really cheesy. I thought I'm not going to do stuff just for money. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take things on just, I'm going to do things that actually I don't get paid for with music. So, as you know, I do care home and dementia work and, and I conduct the World City band <laughs> for nothing. Because, yeah. you know and they and in fact the care homes often are going two hours uh, two afternoons a week they said well we should pay you and I said don't pay me for god's sake don't pay me (laughs) you start paying me my brain is going to do something different I'm going to try and every note on that guitar right by that bedside I know that's daft, but I will if you start paying me so I've turned the money down and um you know say with well city brass I said man I said don't pay me I don't want I think it was really just, just discovering emotion of music for not for what it is. And I actually love the stuff I don't get paid for. Isn't that interesting? I absolutely love it because I'm just there and, and, I, and I'm more, people say, what's your greatest moment in music? Well, it's actually sitting by bedsides. It's yeah. not, not playing in South Africa or San Francisco or things I did. Or my greatest musical moment, sitting by John's bedside, you know, and him telling me, telling me, you know, play it again. Oh, you're my hero, and that's bit that's, and then he dies two weeks later, I and mean, that's that's my greatest musical moment. Is that mm-hmm. somebody said that is it, me with my guitar? <laughs> they, they, they just connect emotionally with music. What's what music's all about, you know? And I'd lost. That's I've always said that words wasn't it? It's always about music. Don't ever lose the emotional connection to what it can do, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's come that, back
0: to your original kind of yeah. mission of people people first
1: people first yeah yeah
0: yeah the work in the in the care homes and yeah. just sounds after such a kind of traumatic or like a bumpy journey you know it feels like the perfect thing to rekindle your relationship with music and people <laughs>
1: Both. exactly yeah. exactly and uh I think people think I'm a bit bonkers doing stuff, all this stuff for free. You know, you're Paul Denigri, you know, honorary REM and all that stuff. And I'm great, thanks. I mean, when I got the honorary thing from the REM, I didn't tell anybody. And I know other people get them and it it was all over the Mm. magazines every time. I've got this. I got it in the letter, letter at school and I go, oh, I'll be given an honorary. I was chuffed, but I just stuck it in my pocket. I was really embarrassed. I mean, could you believe that. I didn't tell anybody for five days that I got an honorary thing from the wow. Associate for the Royal Music for services to music. Didn't tell anybody. I just couldn't do it. I just thought I'm really embarrassed because I don't, I just thought, what I, I don't know what I've done. What I've done is not that special. Why am I getting this? And then the school like, Paul, can we put it in the magazine? I said, no, I don't want it anywhere. So you know I mean, it's really interesting. Yeah. Like, think it's worth it i don't think i've what i've done is valid um
0: and what would you say if you had a student that felt this way what would you say to them
1: oh you see i'm <laughs> <laughs> You're really good okay so i yes i would be saying you know if you've earned something and people are I want to respect it and show it and thank you and say you're amazing for what you've done and we want to recognize that mm. you should rejoice in that you know you should because you've you've earned it you have not you just you must have done something because but be, I think you must have done something if somebody just writes you a thank you letter you must have done something because people don't write unless they really mean it you know that's why mm. I've never thrown one away because people have taken the time to write to say thank you so you know that's what i'd be saying to them and use that as a as a, a validation that what you are doing is what is, is good as long as it's true to you and what you're doing yeah that's what i'd be saying mm.
0: it's so hard to take that in isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah it is yeah, it is it is very difficult the care homes is really interesting because i'd never set foot in a care okay. home in ever as a professional musician i never even thought of doing it I Don't know if i've told you this but no. i saw so I, my dad went to a care home and died in a care home. So I, I'd never set foot. So one day I, my dad got dementia. Basically I should try to travel, travel three and a half, four hours to see him. And not, I couldn't go very often because of music. There's other girl. I, I watched my sister, um, go through coma and I, I would not go and see her in Chelsea hospital because enough, cause I had a gig. I mean, what the heck is that all about? Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I've got to work first. work. I mean, that's bonkers. My dad was the same. I didn't even learn from my sister. Hey Paul put this on the back burner you know and I remember my sister dying and then two days later I'm taking the, oh, a week later I'm taking the Wells Cathedral School big band to Scotland tour because I said I was gonna do it I've said I'm gonna do it so I've got to do it you know it's just mm. bonkers I was in a state of grief and that's I me mean, I'm driving a truck full of gear up the up the motorway to <laughs> like what is that all about oh you know? because you're I thought I've said I'm gonna do it you don't let people down you don't let them down you say who's who if you don't conduct the grand paul who's gonna do it well somebody would have done it wouldn't they yeah so, so
0: many people could have done it <laughs> <laughs>
1: i know but it's like me i don't let don't want to let people down you see so my dad anyway i went one day my, my dad he would take him 20 i'd go and he wouldn't know who i was you know he just had not a clue and he was the guy that got me into music of course mm. and uh so then one day i went up and he, I, I saw him and he goes he goes hello paul i, c- I couldn't believe it he said hello Paul. How are you?" Oh, lovely to see you! And I thought, God, Dad, you actually, <laughs> you know who I am. But you know, um, anyway, I said, Dad, you look great. You look really happy. And he goes, Yeah, I am. It's been a good day this morning. We had two singers came into the cam because they didn't have any music in their cam going on. And wow. this is, and um, in their cam they got because nobody goes in, so because people want to be paid. Mm. You know, that's why it's and so that you know, and, and the care homes just don't have the money, they just don't have the money to pay 50 quid an hour for somebody to come anyway. So, my, my dad goes, Hello, he said, Yeah, these two singers came in, they sang to a karaoke thingy, and he said, Paul, they were absolutely awful. <laughs> he said, They were absolutely awful, they were dreadful. I said, Oh, sorry, dad, Anything like this. He said, No, 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 he said, Actually, it was great, said, and I'll never forget this. And this was a one, it was like a,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a year seven moment you know see so a six moment he goes he said no it was great Paul so he said for one hour I forgot I was getting old and then the next thing really got to me really really got to me and he said I also forgot that I'm going to die here and not go home and he said and I just thought oh my god for one hour so that means for 23 hours of that day all the time he's, he knows he's even though he's got dementia he knows he's never going home he's going to die here in a I mm. uh, and he and that music just however awful it was <laughs> he forgot it he just forgot he was gonna and i've had that quite a lot and so i'm driving up the a303 going, feeling ashamed i can tell you guilt anger that i where and i I remember saying to my head where the hell have you been paul where the hell have you been for 33 years you've got these skills and you've not thought for one moment to go in a can but I bet if a care home phoned you up now phoned you up you said Paul can you come play the guitar we'll pay you 50 quid you go in and do it and of course the answer to that is self searching is yes I would have gone in I'd have gone in yeah okay I'll do that for 50 quid I'll go and play to a bunch of old people and i walk out an hour 50 quid great that's done I'd have done it why have I, I get quite angry now look why have I not done that for free once a year and what's even more shocking going up the A33 my dad loves music and I've been going to visit him for a year. I did not take the guitar, did not take my trumpet, did not suggest recordings for him to sit. I did nothing musically for him at all. Mm. And I got all these skills and I drove up the motorway and I, I, I mean, I'm, j- I'm not joking, about. utterly ashamed of myself. I, so you're happy to be paid for it. You're happy when people clap you. You're happy when you get a bunch of flowers. You're happy when you get the wine and your thank you cards. You love all that. Why are you not, why are you doing it just for that? Why have you not thought, do you know, I'm just going to do this mm. and I don't care People who can't clap me, they can't give me a bottle of wine, they can't give me another gig. We often do gigs because we want to get, I'll go and do that gig. I don't want to do it because I might get more. Yeah. I'm not going to not going get another gig. You're not going to probably get, a, you might get a little thank you, but I would have done it for all those reasons. But hey, but Paul, you can really help somebody's mental health in the last three or four weeks of their life or the last month. You could really bring them some joy, but we can't pay. Oh, I'm really sorry. I can't do that. And it really got whoa you know and i've been sitting in a specialist music school and i've been orchestras and all this and that's why i struggle with people saying you're a legend you're a great guy you give you give you give yeah i give when you get you know i oh, know i don't give not really i didn't think in my book i really gave that's giving and i thought you know and i I remember discussing it with people in pits and stuff they go oh yeah paul but i said well why don't we just go once a year <laughs> did go for an hour a year mm. <laughs> just do it you know so i decided and i also decided driving up the three of 3rd i'm going to do this and i'm not going to keep doing it i'm not going to be one. a lot of people have ideas and they do it for a month and two months and i've it fades doesn't it yeah well trouble is people we all. i thought god i'm gonna be we're all gonna be there every single one if we're lucky to make it i'm gonna be lying in a bed unable to move or walking around and i'll be jolly glad if somebody sat in that by my bedside because that will be the only visitor that of the week with the robo or the French horn, you know, and so I, I started this whole thing. I thought <laughs> oh, I can't take the trumpet really by bedside. Yeah. Oh, honey. <laughs> and there comes the whole thing. What am I going to play? in a trumpet chair, the Hyden trumpet chair. Oh my God, boy, you can't do it. None of that's relevant. Yeah, they so don't these care. People, no, all these people have got about to die. That's totally irrelevant. You can't play the Hyden. Everything you've learned on the trumpet, you can't do. Yeah. to help. Them. So that's why I got the guitar going and wow. singing going because i thought got to sit there and sing and badly and play the guitar and connect with them so that's that's and that's my greatest musical moments are there in those moments you know and that's what music was designed in the first place to emotionally yeah. connect to something i always say this soul you can't touch and music you can't touch that's why they're the perfect partners you mm. know but we lose touch with all that you, you forget because it all becomes like i'm too scared i'm frightened on stage i'm what do people think of me oh god God, that whole emotional connection is gone. That's why I love it, and the city band I love because they all come out, it's their whole thing, and they love it, and it's their social life. And
0: it sounds like you got, yeah, really, really meaningful things going on.
1: Yeah, it's a journey. You have to look after your heart a little bit because I, I. I talked to some of the nurses there because I walk away thinking I started my first, I've done it for 14 months now. I started to go around, oh, I've got to live my life every yeah. moment, every second, gotta enjoy it all. Oh my gosh, Paul, he be happy, happy, happy. Don't yeah. get down. It's raining, doesn't matter. Love the rain, <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's like, no, no, no. It's it, it's impossible to live your life like that. Yeah. That's what it did to me. I thought I've got I can't waste a minute or not enjoy a minute, but you've got to be realistic and go. Mm
0: send you so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um so if people want to find you on the internet or connect with you something's resonated with them um yeah. where do they find you
1: yeah i'm really happy to talk yeah you yeah, very happy people want email so they can with a name like paul denigree <laughs> that's true <laughs> you don't yeah. have to stick it in the in the in the google and my website comes up straight away amazing yeah, so if you just put Paul a Green on Instagram, anything like that.
0: Amazing. And you do have your own podcast as well. Would you like <laughs> to plug that?
1: Well, yeah, It's a bit of a thing. I haven't done one for five months. <laughs> you come But on there, mine there you are some
0: them. amazing ones in the archive that people can check out.
1: Yeah, yeah. The other one is on its way. Yeah, it's just that um, life got really busy and it just gets pushed back, you know. So uh... Wait,
0: you're telling me that you're busy? No way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So there are eight episodes done, yeah. I was trying to do one a month. I did it for eight months and then I haven't done one since August. So I need to, I know it's, all, and actually, I was thinking about it this morning. So, and of course you you come on and do a thing called The Bubble Wrap, which is really lovely. So that's that lovely connection about wellbeing and looking after ourselves. So um, yeah, yeah, the Young Musician Matters podcast, yeah.
0: And uh, the last thing we usually ask our guests yeah. on the podcast is, is there a little win of the week that you've had or something in the recent past that you feel proud of or yeah, it could be the tiniest thing. I was gonna say that my win of the week is I actually invested in some nice conditioner because I like to treat myself <laughs> with like having curly hair, it's a problem, you know. I mean, as a hair looker afterer, you you understand. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's good. That's a good win. That's Isn't a good, a good win. Um, yeah, well it's not quite in the last week, it's like last two or three weeks. Is that all right? It's perfect. Okay, so I've had a leather jacket. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been with me for thirty-five years. But I've the, not, the jacket, leather jacket, yes, yeah, it's been the, to the loads the one, games. the one, yeah, oh thirty-five gosh. years. It's been with me, and um it's still going strong. But I just thought, because I spend a lot of time looking at rock videos and go, go to a lot of rock gigs. You know, that's a bit of a weird thing with me. Is like I go and see all these bands. With, I love Scandinavian rock. Don't I? If... <laughs> it's huge over there it's hard rock is huge over there it's not so big here but I quite like it's not so big over here so I do daft things like go to Cambridge in the evening and back to us to watch a band called Heat in Sweden or you know I'll literally go to Wolverhampton back in the evening just to watch a band in the club with about 300 other people you know <laughs> although I am going to see Ozzy Osbourne because uh, I haven't seen him for a bit so I'm going to go and see him I've heard of him yeah <laughs> so I do this stuff but anyway I there's a certain jacket. My my one is what they call the Marlon Brando one, where okay. he this big chunky thing, you probably remember it. And it's been to every gig, everything. Okay. And I noticed a lot of the bands to wear the thinner ones, you know. Mm-hmm. But I can't afford really like you know, I can't justify it. So I yeah, so I went off to I was just happened to be a charity shop in Glastonbury, I think it was. Yeah. And I was just killing time for some reason before the comb. Actually, I just thought I'll just, i just walked up the street and I'll go in this charity. I didn't know why I was going in there, I was like, I'll go in there, you know, and uh there on the peg. No. What's a exactly what the one I wanted. I, I But also not new, broken in, you know, because I want it to look new. Oh, new. Yes. And I looked at the ticket. And it was like 65 quid. I was hoping like charity shopping for 12 quid. I felt a bit bad about this because I went out to the woman at the desk and said, What's your best price on this? I thought, <laughs> like, This is cancer research, Paul, for crying out loud. <laughs> I'm just saying to everybody, Go and give your time. This is what I thought in my brain. I just thought, you oh just spent your bloody life going, Do you know what? You need to give your time. And now I'm in a cancer research <laughs> shop saying what's your best price pay the 60 quid for god's sake don't and then i i then I and i said whoops i shouldn't have said that she laughed she said well you know i'll phone the manager and i said no 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 i'll pay 60 quid for that i that's said so be looking funny. That. so that was my win-win
0: that's brilliant
1: and it because and i love it and i haven't worn the other one since you no know, because i feel more comfortable in this one now because it's uh, a bit more what i wanted yeah 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 it's you it's your
0: new <laughs> jacket the next 35 years yeah
1: and that was my win-win
0: that's amazing
1: big win huge yeah, win hu- for me literally
0: one. huge win everybody <laughs> always comes on with these huge wins and I'm there like I bought some shampoo
1: <laughs> well no that's it depends isn't it what your huge win is you know I invested
0: <laughs> um, yeah well thank you so 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 much Paul for your time my
1: pleasure anytime um, I've Yeah. enjoyed it thank you yeah. thank you for having me on